It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Who's ready for some Mets content during this endless, endless postseason that will never conclude? Welcome to Rico Bronia. We promise you this about the Rico during the postseason and during the offseason. We guarantee you at least two Ricos per week, kind of like during the regular season. Two Ricos per week, sometimes even more, depending on breaking news, which will certainly heat up more in November and December. Right now, we're just getting through the playoffs. We're all kind of holding our nose, (laughs) rooting against who we want to root against, and getting set for the exciting part, the offseason. A lot to get to on this edition of the Rico. We'll go through a lot of your emails concerning a variety of topics. The next manager of the New York Mets, one guy who wants to passionately defend Peter Hoffman for his comparison that the New York Mets are like the Wilpons again, and an argument for and against Pete Alonso, amongst other things, when we get to our little email bag, the Rico B at gmail.com. That's when you can email us anytime. I want to start with what scared me last Friday. Last Friday, towards the end of the show I was doing with Tiki on the air, this New York Times article came out from Michael Schmidt and Ken Belson that really focused on what was going on with Billy Epler and the New York Mets. And as I was reading that article on the air, and we were discussing it, it was towards the tail end of the show, so we didn't talk about it that much. In my brain, I'm wondering, is this Billy Epler resignation, this investigation by MLB, is this going to turn into the biggest thing? Is this going to turn into something that haunts us for a long time? Like a witch hunt against Steve Cohen. They come up with something and it ends, you know, with Steve Cohen being forced to sell. I know that's not realistic, was never realistic. But as you're reading MLB's investigating this, they want to see if Steve Cohen knew or should have known about the rules that were being broken. The investigation will look into all aspects of the Mets. And then also, this is the part that really scared me that there were some in Major League Baseball concern that Steve took some of his business practices that got him in trouble with the SEC and, quote, bled into the running of the New York Mets and its front office culture. So you hear that, you read that, there are concerns. There was also a paragraph in the middle of the article that also kind of scared me, which was there are more accusations against Billy Epler. In fact, I'll, I'll read exactly what it said. The letter, because remember, MLB got an anonymous letter that was sent to them, tipping them off about these inappropriate IL actions concerning Billy Epler. It also noted that the letter said that there were other accusations. The letter, which the commissioner's office received in the past two weeks, included other accusations against Mr. Epler's conduct as general manager, according to one of the people familiar with the matter, although... It's unclear what those were. The commissioner's office in New York, which is leading the investigation, plans to look into those as well. So that story comes out on Friday. And my concern is, well, what is what's possibly the other things Billy Epler did? Is it on a more serious level? I don't think any of us really take the IL issue to be some kind of incredible cheating scandal. Certainly, there's some advantages to storing guys on the IL. We get that. But what else did Billy do? And in the following days, we've learned very, very little other than MLB is not targeting Steve Cohen. And that, to me, was the biggest report that could come out in the following few days. Because if they're not targeting Steve Cohen, okay, 
what are they going to come up with? Billy's no longer with the organization. He improperly used the IL. Who knows what other improper usage of roster manipulation he used. But if that's all we're talking about, and since nothing's leaked out, it kind of leads me that it will be something similar to that, then this will not be the biggest scandal ever. That this may turn out to be, as they call it in the trade, a nothing burger. I hate that phrase, but in this case, it's applicable. A nothing burger. Yeah, you, Yankees cheating scandal. Remember the Yankees cheating scandal? The letter is going to be uncovered. And then the letter got uncovered, and we were like, who cares? Right. Like uh, Another phrase you like to use, a fart in the wind. Yeah. I use that a lot lately. I, I was trying to kind of <laughs> use it as much, but I have oh, used it quite a bit lately. A <laughs> fart in the wind. So I'm less concerned today. It's been a little bit less than a week. You never know when new information is going to come out, but nothing has come out in the last five or six days. Ideally, I'll say this about Billy Epler. I think on the surface, most of us just look at him as a general manager and say, hey, he wasn't a really good GM. He wasn't really good in Anaheim. Who the hell cares that he's gone? That was certainly my first impression, and I've made that case. But if David Stearns' plan was to have Billy Epler remain in the organization, then it's less than ideal that his plan isn't coming to fruition, that he now has to look for another general manager, has to fill that vacancy that Billy Epler was going to at least help him out with during this transition. So as much as I downplay it and most of us downplay it and none of us love necessarily Billy Epler, from the standpoint of Stearns wasn't planning on removing him, wasn't planning him on firing him, then it is a negative that he's no longer with the organization from that perspective. No, I, I agree. I think that was the plan was he was actually like gung-ho. Because you think about this, the guy signed on from jump knowing that he was never going to be the guy. So right. either either A, he thought that he'd leave on a good note and get another job out of this, or that he'd be part of the the you know the bigger project later on and he'd be uh, like a pawn in it i guess so now yeah. the fact he, he now he lost his job and now he'll probably never get a, another gm job again in baseball yeah he'll probably get another you know brian cashman will hire him i guess in a couple of years or in a couple of months but in david stearns's case i think you could tell by the fact that steve wanted this guy for a few years how much he respects david stearns how much power he's giving david stearns considering buck showalter was gone immediately if david stearns didn't want Billy Epler, he was going to be gone. Like, I don't think this was one of those James Dolan things from years ago where Dolan hires somebody and says, Bart, you must keep Steve Mills. You know, you must keep this guy. Isaiah Thomas must be on your speed dial. Like, if David Stearns didn't want Billy Epler around, he was going to be gone. Obviously, he did. It didn't work out. I am curious to find out what other improper usage of roster manipulation, assuming that's all it is, did Billy Epler engage in? You know, and look, I get it. Storing guys on the IL, now, I don't want to use the word cheating. It's definitely a form of manipulation. Okay, I get it. I get it how it could negatively affect players, how it could negatively affect a lot of various things. I just don't think any of us take it that serious because we feel like everybody kind of does it. And I know that's not the best excuse. It's kind of like the Astros stealing signs. Well, everybody steals signs, but it doesn't feel like something egregious. It doesn't feel like something super serious. So if this is really all it is, 
And and we'll find out. I mean, this will eventually come out. MLB will file a report like they did about the Red Sox, like they did about the Astros, maybe minor. Hopefully it is minor because I don't think any of us want to see the Mets have any negative repercussions from this, whether it's losing a draft pick or God knows what. I am very curious to find out what is it besides IL manipulation. You know this better than I do. By throwing somebody on the IL, it put them to the 60-day IL or whatever the case is, to call up somebody, they got to be on the 40-man roster, but is there something else? Is there wiggle room because someone's on the IL that you have to call somebody up that you can like maybe they don't get the full contract maybe it's it's like a, like I'm just there's got to be something yeah. there yeah it can negatively affect players when it comes to bonuses and service time and guys not being I mean there are negative things that can come from players which is why you wonder was it a player agent that leaked this story or wrote the letter to major league baseball like it was somebody who is being wrong but Hopefully we'll find out in the next couple of weeks or months once this investigation kind of rolls on. Tim LaCastro's agent. (laughs) Well, Tiki floated the idea of Scott Boris being the guy. Just stole Pete Alonzo away. He's not happy with Billy Epler because think about it. When the Mets didn't seal the deal on Carlos Correa, Steve Cohen had the deal done. Then Steve Cohen goes to his GM and his doctors and says, hey, take a look. Make sure this is okay. Make sure this is kosher. Oh, wait. We don't want to sign this guy. So, you know, look, there are a lot of different conspiracies, conspiracy theories around it. One other note from the last couple of days, Joe Madden is interested in the Mets managerial job. Here's what I find funny about stories like this. Evan Roberts is interested in the Mets managerial job. What the hell does that mean? They're not going to hire me. Like, just because someone's interested in the job doesn't mean anything's going to happen. The news would be, David Stearns is interested in interviewing Joe Madden. The Mets are interested in hiring Joe Madden. I, Joe Madden to me, and I get what he's accomplished, and I respect what he's accomplished. The guy was the manager of a team that broke one of the biggest curses in the history of sports. Joe Madden feels like a fad. He feels like somebody that was Oh, he's so cool with his fun glasses and his crazy personality, and he's so smart. Like Tony LaRussa 2.0. I ain't going back to that well. Like, I don't think hiring Joe Madden, who's now a little bit older, who's been around, his last stop in Anaheim didn't exactly go well. Like, that doesn't excite me. I know it's a manager with experience, which is something I would prefer, but I hear Joe Madden's interested in the Met shop. Yeah, who wouldn't be interested in the Met shop? When you think about the manager openings in Major League Baseball right now, and you look at San Francisco and Cleveland and Anaheim and potentially Milwaukee, depending on what happens with council, yeah, the Mets have the most appealing job. So when I say to Joe Madden being interested on the Mets job, I'd say good for you. So is a lot of people. It doesn't mean you're going to hire him. Any interest in Joe Madden, Pete? No, because I'll tell you why. His creativity has been completely negated by you know the the you can't pit you have to pitch bringing in a pitcher they got to see three batters um just like the fact that there's no you know there is no pitcher anymore that that's that's hitting like there's just everyone's got a dh there's all this stuff that he used to have that create the shift thing and stuff like that all his creativity all his sneaky plays they're all gone like there's nothing good about him anymore so so 
all the things he did that were ahead of the curve, which I give him credit for. I don't want to minimize that. That's why Joe Madden was not only a fad, he was a successful fad. Fad doesn't mean anything bad. It just means it worked for a short period of time. You now have to be ahead of the curve in 2024. You just have to think of new ways and new things that kind of give you the edge in 2024 because we have new rules and because teams have kind of reacted to all those things. Some of the things that he did before anybody else, and that's been going on in baseball for many, many years, teams then join in and start doing. So you just have to continue to be creative. The other thing that was announced on Wednesday was Francisco Lindor underwent surgery the day earlier, so on Tuesday, to remove a bone spur from his right elbow. Team says he's expected to be fully ready for spring training. So here are the two thoughts I take from this. Number one, a little worry. The worry being the guy at surgery. Now, the Mets could tell you all day he's going to be ready for spring training or he's expected to be ready for spring training. Stalling Marte, granted it was very different, had off-season surgery. And it feels like it affected him all of 2023. So the first reaction is, this isn't a nothing. This isn't a non-big deal because it's still surgery. So while it may not be major and it may not be Tommy John surgery and timetable wise, it should be okay. And to use that phrase, fart in the wind again, maybe this will turn out to be that. Yeah, he had off-season surgery. We all forget about it. He's ready for spring training. He plays 160 games in 2024. And oh, yeah, he's fantastic. Then we won't even think about the fact that he had off-season surgery. But it's not good. Like, when you see something like that, it doesn't ruin your day necessarily. But it's not good. He had surgery. That's part one. Part number two is a respect for Francisco Lindor. A respect that he had a really good season in 2023. And that's how I would phrase it. You know, we can go individually on stats and months and streaks and all that. How was he defensively? How was he clutch-wise? Like, I'm not going to call it a great season. I'll say it's a very good season because he did have a very good season. On a lot of levels, he had a very good season. And to do that with clearly an injury, I mean, clearly he had this elbow issue because... To have that surgery a couple of weeks after the season means it was probably bothering him, and none of us knew that. And I think what also makes it really impressive is it's one thing to play through an injury when you're in a pennant race, when you're battling and you're in the postseason, when Johan Santana is pitching with a torn meniscus on three days rest in 2008. It's another thing to play injured when the games don't matter. And I'm not one to minimize that and say, well, he should have just had the surgery. Who cares? Games didn't matter. No, he, he wanted to play. He wanted to go out and play 160 games. And one of the best attributes this Met Corps has is that they play. Francisco Lindor plays. Pete Alonso plays. McNeil's had his injuries. So he's not on that level of Lindor and Alonso in terms of reliability over the years, but he plays. And over the last two years, Brandon Nimmo plays. Brandon Nimmo had a huge question mark around him in terms of durability and staying on the field. So the core guys get out there, specifically Lindor and Alonso. So you see this news come across. A, concern, hopefully he is ready for spring training, and then B, a respect for the fact that he went out and played every single day this season. That's impressive. Let me just say something to all the all the people that were trashing Lindor and said that we'd hate his contract at the end of it. This one's for you. 
because this guy showed so much guts all season long. And I think it was better than just a good season, Evan. I got, I think you're downplaying it, especially because he had this injury all season now. From what I understand, it happened early in the season, if I'm correct. I thought that's mm-hmm. what I thought. That's what I thought I heard. I read. Regardless, this guy started so started slow, but was able to battle through injury, play his balls off, still make amazing plays, still hit thirty home runs, thirty stolen bases. Yes, we go through the stats. Played every day. I mean, I got to be honest. That's a big fu to anybody that's ever talked smack before about Francisco Lindor, and that I, I think he took it personal this year. That I'm going to go and. and doesn't make a difference what we do. I'm going to go out there and play, and I'm going to do the best for the team. And for everybody that had anything negative to say, say about the guy, I mean, go F themselves. Yeah, I, the, the only reason I, I stay away from saying it was a great season, and this fits for Alonzo too, by the way, is that when they needed them the most, they really didn't perform. When the season started kind of getting away from this team in May and June, specifically in June, Lindor wasn't atrocious in June. Alonzo was worse, but he wasn't great. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't what he was in August, necessarily, where he played a lot better, what he was in July, when he played a lot better. So I think the mark I put against Francisco, and Pete, for that matter, is that when this season spiraled out of control, they weren't very reliable. So, look, it's parsing words between very good and great. Bottom line is, the guy played 160 games. He had an over 800 OPS. He drove in 98 runs. He played really good defense. He hit a lot of home runs. Like it was, it was a very good year at shortstop. I think we talked about it on the the recap edition of the Rico. When you compare him to other shortstops in baseball, Corey Seager, though he missed a lot of time, had better numbers. But after that, it's he's right there as one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. 